Good morning. What a great time of worship we've had this morning. Hasn't it been amazing? It's been so good. It's been so, so good. Um, I'm Tim. Uh, I haven't been here in a while. Uh, I took a couple of weeks. Thank you. I really, I do appreciate it. I really do. Um, I was off for a couple of weeks for vacation, and then I took a sabbatical for a month. And some of you have never met me or know me. And the reason why I know that uh, is we just had our guest reception a few moments ago, and there were people there who had been over the last weeks that I hadn't been here, that I had never met. So anyway, I wanted to introduce your, myself to you. I'm the pastor, uh, and I want to thank you for allowing me to have a sabbatical. And for those of you who don't know what that is, basically a time off to be able to do further study or do other uh, things that uh, you feel like God's leading you to do, which has been awesome. So uh, I made some great memories. I spent the entire month uh, in Miami. I just got back back yesterday afternoon. Had a wonderful time down there. Made some wonderful memories while I was there. I was chased down by a security guard in a golf cart. Uh, I found out that when you're riding your electric kick scooter, that you should not go over a bridge onto a private island for some reason. Okay, so that's what I was doing. Uh, No arrests were made, which was good, but I did that. And um, I learned about forgiveness because I forgot my wife's birthday while I was gone. So that's... I know, not such a good thing. Uh, so anyway, she still loves me and we're together, so that's good. Um, I spent a lot of time, really wanted to spend time actually getting back into better physical health. I, I just hadn't been in good physical health, hadn't done a lot of exercise, so I swam in a lot of laps, played a lot of tennis, rode my bike a lot. It was really great. I really enjoy bike riding. I don't like pedaling, okay, but the experience of biking is nice. If only they could put a motor on something like that and call it maybe a motorbike. It would be really cool. Um, but I did that a lot and it was, was really good. And, and obviously, spiritual. Spiritually, I'm sure you're hoping I did something spiritual. Um, I've been reading a a devotional book uh, on Jesus, which has been really great. But really what I've been spending my time doing is writing a new book. I'm writing a book on uh, how to be able to share the good news of Jesus with people who are skeptical about God. So I'm not finished with it. It's been a long time since I've written. When you're a pastor, it's hard to find time. So it was great to just have that dedicated time to do that. So that's really uh, what uh, I... I did from a spiritual aspect. Been attending church at First Baptist Church of Fort Lauderdale, which is actually a sister church of Church by the Glades. They're, uh, they're church, both churches uh, that have the same pastor. They had their separate identities, really great. But it was awesome just to be able to go to church and to experience worship and to be preached at for several weeks. Actually, I was there for five consecutive weeks, and it was really, really awesome. And it's, I will just say this to you, I would encourage you um, to come to church, you know, when you, when you can. I know we have our live stream, and I get it, it's important for a lot of you, you can't come, I, I totally understand it, and I'm not trying to show any judgment whatsoever towards you. But what I discovered was there's something about sitting in an audience of other believers who are worshiping that is energizing separate from doing it by myself at home. Um, and even though it's beneficial and it's great and I get it and there are reasons for that, I would just encourage you when you can come to come because it really does make a difference. And it made a difference for me, I guess, because it was special for me because, you know, the, the music part, the message, everything was good. And for me on a typical Sunday, even today, it, it, it's kind of difficult, even through the worship. I, I worship y'all with everyone else. I do. But my mind, I kind of have tunnel vision on Sundays because I know I'm about to get up here on the stage and speak. So sometimes I get distracted by that. And it was good for five weeks to not be thinking about that and just worship the Lord and let God speak to me. So it was really, really a cool thing. So thank you. And I also want to thank Jay and Connor for filling in for me while I was gone. They did an amazing job. Um, actually, I went to two churches every Sunday. I would go to First Baptist Fort Lauderdale, but I, I went to Woodland Live on the way. It was about a 30-minute drive, so I, I listened to Woodland Live every Sunday. I heard all the sermons, experienced the worship. It was really great to be able to do both of those things, and they did a phenomenal job. Many of you have told me that as well, and to be honest with you, 
I was extremely nervous about coming back and still feel nervous. I'm just being completely honest with you. Uh, nervous about being back on the stage because I don't want to stop the momentum that they've created over these last five weeks. And I've had really long, several conversations with Jennifer about that very thing because I don't want to get in the way of what God is doing that's good. And he's been doing something really great over these last weeks. So that's my prayer that God would continue to do something good in the church through whoever God leads to lead the church, right? That's the way it should be. But I've been super nervous about it because I, I don't want to damper anything that good has been happening over these weeks. And I know it's been really great. From your testimonies, it's been, been really great. I do want to start a, a new series today. And uh, it, it's called Good Plans. And where the title of the series came from was the first Sunday that I was at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. It was the first song that they sang during worship. And it's a song called Good Plans. And it's by Red Rock Worship. And I just dug it because I was really wanting God to speak to me. And one of the things for me over this, these weeks that I've been gone is, God, what is your plan for my life? What do you want me to do? What, you know, what direction is it that you want me to be in? All of those questions just, it was a fresh time for me to consider all those things. And the very first song that I hear when I go to this service is this song called Good Plans, that God has a good plan for your life. And you know what? I just latched on to that song for the last four weeks that I know God has good plans for my life, but I also know that God has good plans for your life because God has good plans for all of our lives. He has good plans for us. Sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. Sometimes we're trying to figure it out and we're asking, what is God up to? This doesn't make sense. It might be because we're going through a lot of difficulty or criticism or ridicule or painful things are happening to us and we just don't get it. It's like, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And the answer to that is because I have good plans for your life. I'm trying to do something in your life. It's really easy for us to get the wrong mindset and often we think about what is happening to us instead of thinking about what God is doing in us and what is, what is God wanting to do through us. So I've been pondering that a lot. I already knew before going on sabbatical that I was going to be doing this series on Joseph. That was already a done deal in my mind, what I wanted to do. And the whole concept of good plans just connected so well with who this man is that we're going to be studying about in the scriptures. The whole idea of good plans is something that is not only taught in the Old Testament, but it's taught in the New Testament. In fact, one of the most popular verses in the Bible, uh, one that many, many Christians memorize, is uh, found in the book of Romans, where Paul made a statement. Now, Paul was uh, an apostle of Jesus. Paul was one of the main guys who spread the message about Jesus' death and resurrection after Jesus went to heaven. That's who Paul is. So a lot of the letters in the New Testament are written by Paul. And he would write encouraging letters to Christians in different locations because he would go to different locations to help start these churches. And one of those places was in Rome. So in Rome, uh, they obviously were going through a lot of challenges and a lot of difficulties because of their belief in Christ. People were coming against them because of this. And Paul made a statement to them. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, God has good plans for your life. God's plan for your life is this. It's to accomplish his purpose. So what is his purpose? Let's take a look at our outline sheet. For those of you who've been neglected the last five weeks without outline sheets, we can ask those speakers for forgiveness later. I know we all have different styles, y'all, and some people just don't get into that. Actually, I'm kind of unique that I use outline sheets. I, I know it. Uh, what uh, has been done in the past several weeks has been, has been really good and, and useful, and, and it's a real strong way to speak. Let me tell you why I give you outline sheets. First of all, because it's how I learn personally. I, have to, I need to take notes, so it's helpful for me to pay attention because, y'all, believe it or not, sometimes my mind wanders, and I know if I got to fill in a blank, I got to pay attention. 
So that's just for me personally. And the second thing is if I get bored, all right, and I don't want to pay attention, I've got a piece of paper I can draw on. So that's the other reason, okay? You have permission to do either today. If you don't learn by filling in blanks, don't fill in the blanks. All right, if that's not you, fine. I know a lot of you don't do it because I see that you're not writing stuff when I speak many times. I'm okay with that, all right? But for those of you who would like to follow along and fill in some things, let me give you some things to say. We need to go, know God's purpose because God's up to accomplishing his purpose through us. Let's write down this statement. God's purpose is for people to know the God who loves us personally and to lead us to rely on him resulting in our praising him. God's purpose is for everyone to have a loving relationship with God. For me to have a personal relationship with God, for you to have a personal relationship with God, that's what his purpose is. He wants it for all of us, for all of us to be a part of his family. But the other thing is this, he wants us to learn that he's trustworthy, that we can trust him and rely on him. And when we rely on God and learn to rely on God and trust him in everything, you know what we do? We praise God for no matter what's going on in our life because we know he's up to something. We praise him because of that. So that's what he's up to. He's either trying to lead me personally to know him. If I don't have a personal relationship with God, that's what he's trying to get me to do. But if I do have a relationship with God, he might be wanting to use me uh, to grow and to become more like Jesus or to use me in some way to help other people fall in love with Jesus. That might be what he's about. So how are we going to learn this? We're going to learn it through Joseph. We're going to learn it through a guy who was totally messed up. Okay, he was, seriously, he was messed up because he was living for the wrong thing. He had the wrong God himself. He was his own God. He, it was all about him. And it wasn't about the one who had created him. It wasn't about God's purposes. So God allowed a bunch of stuff to happen in his life to wake him up and to change him into the person that he needed to be so that he could be used by God. Now, I'm going to talk about Joseph, but I'm not going to make some assumptions today. First assumption is this. I am not assuming that every person in this room today is a Christian. Because in a group this big, I would assume that there are some people who don't have a relationship with God, that haven't accepted him into their life yet. Okay, so that's the first thing. I, I want you to understand that. I realize not everybody in here is a Christian. And by the way, you need to realize that there's some people in this room, if you're a Christian, that there might be people in this room who are not a Christian. So we need to make sure of that. Second thing is this. We are not here to judge you. All right? This church is not here to judge you and make you feel like an awful, terrible person and that you're not of worth. Because we are all awful, terrible people. We are all people who don't do the right things at times, right? We all do things that are harmful to other people, and we all need to be forgiven. Do I have a witness out there from anybody? Amen? So, if you're, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to call out you for some, we're not. And y'all, if we do talk about sin, and here at this church, we do talk about sin, because the Bible talks about sin. But when we talk about sin, we want you to understand why sin is sin, not that it's just wrong, but why it's wrong. Why you're missing the mark of who God wants you to be when you give into these things. And then it makes, it makes sense of why I shouldn't live a certain way or be a certain thing or do a certain thing in my life, okay? So that's the other thing I want you to feel comfortable about while you're in this room today. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to condemn you. Jesus himself didn't come to, to condemn people. He came to save people from a life of misery. The next thing is this. I'm not going to assume that y'all know the whole Bible. I'm not going to assume that you know all the stories of the Bible. You might be a Christian, but not know all the stories of the Bible. So what I'm going to do today, having all of that in mind, is I'm going to tell you about Joseph, but I'm going to tell you a lot of other stuff that led up to Joseph so you understand the importance of who he was and what was going on. Got it? So that's what we're going to do, which means this, even though you enjoy filling in blanks, you shall not fill in all the blanks today. I know it's shocking. If you've been here a while, it's like, it, this happens to me all the time. I think I can cover all this stuff and I can't do it. So this is an opportunity for you to offer forgiveness for me, okay? I appreciate you doing that. We're only going to get through point number one, which gives you hope for your Super Bowl preparation meal this afternoon. 
to go home and fry your wings and make your nachos, all right? That's what you can do. All right, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus is our hope. We are all people who do things wrong and who sin. In other words, we do things that are hurtful to other people. We do things that don't reveal who God is. God is a loving person. So anything that we do to other people that's not loving, is, that's what sin is, all right? We either hurt ourselves or we hurt other people. God can't be where sin is. So therefore, our sin has to be wiped away. It has to be forgiven in order for us to have a relationship with God. So what God did was he sent Jesus to the earth, his son to the earth. And Jesus lived a holy, perfect life. Where we sin, Jesus never sinned. He always did what was loving for other people. Always did that. And he even did it for people who didn't, none of us deserve it, but he did it for people who, I mean, other people consider to be evil. He did it for those type of people. He did it for all of us. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with God. And we have to be forgiven, but for someone to be forgiven of our sins, somebody has to pay the punishment for our sin, right? So we can be forgiven, so everything can be made okay with us between us and the Father, it has to be forgiven. So Jesus volunteered to take the punishment for our sins. He died on the cross and was resurrected. We just sang a song a little while ago about it. It was awesome. Jesus died on the cross for all of us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. But we have to choose to decide to accept what Jesus did for us. Jesus set the stage for all of us in this room today to have a relationship with God. But before there was Jesus, there were the children of God that led the pathway to the coming of Jesus. So that's what I want to spend some time talking with you about today. It all began with Abraham. Abraham was known as the father of the children of God. He's where it all began. God established him as the one to start it. Abraham had two children, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael became the father of the people that we know today to be the Islamic people. Ishmael is the father of that group of people. Isaac would continue on the line of Abraham that would lead to the Jewish people in the line of when Jesus would finally come. Isaac had two sons. Isaac had a son named Esau, who was in line for the birthright to continue the line of succession. And then there was Jacob. Jacob wanted the birthright that was rightly due to Esau. And Jacob tricked, tricked Isaac, his dad, into giving him the birthright rather than giving it to Esau. Y'all, there's a big, long story related to all that, and I don't have time to tell it to you, but that's what happened, all right? That's a Tim paraphrase for you. A really short term paraphrase. He tricked him into getting the birthright. Well, as you can imagine, Esau was pretty ticked off about that. And they couldn't coexist. So Jacob would leave to another land to be able to start his family. It was through Jacob who now has the birthright. There's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob. Y'all following me? Through Jacob, Jacob would have a son and his name was Judah. Now, I want to tell you the story about the sons and how Judah falls into all this. All right, let's get back to, to Esau and Jacob. Can't stay in the same place. Jacob leaves and he goes to the land where his uncle lives. His name is Laban. And he's trying to figure out where that is. And he goes up to a well and he's asking these guys, hey, is this where Laban is? My uncle, is this where he lives? And this girl comes up and the girl that came up, her name was Rachel and she was hot. All right, she was beautiful. He loved Rachel. He fell in love, like love at first sight, fell in love with Rachel and wanted to marry Rachel. So he goes to Laban, his uncle, and says, I want to marry Rachel. He said, you can marry her if you work for me for seven years. So he did. But on the wedding night, instead of Rachel being sent by her dad into the tent to be with her new husband, he didn't send Rachel to come sleep with, with, Jake, with, uh, with Jacob. He sent his oldest daughter, Leah, in to sleep with him. So Jacob gets up the next morning and is like, dude, there's something wrong with your eyes. And, and this is really a Tim paraphrase. This, I don't even know if I should do this. It doesn't even sound godly the way I'm saying it, all right? The scripture says that she had weak eyes, all right? That's what it said about Leah. So he wakes up and notice, those aren't, those aren't Rachel's eyes. Doesn't really say that, but it, he notices it's not her, okay? This isn't 
Rachel. So he goes to Laban and it's like, you have tricked me. And he said, well, I can't give you my, my youngest daughter without the first oldest daughter being married first. And he said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You work for me another seven years and I'll also let you marry Rachel. And you don't even have to wait the seven years. Just make it through the wedding week with Leah. And then after that, you can marry Rachel. So Jacob says, okay, he does it. So now he's got two wives. Then the children start coming. Leah has four children. The fourth of her child, uh, of her children is Judah, okay? Now I mentioned just a moment ago, Judah. Remember that because Judah is the one in the line of succession that would eventually lead to Jesus. Y'all got that? Judah, not the firstborn. He was the fourth in line that was born, but it would be Judah who would be set aside. Well, Leah has four kids, Rachel, no kids. So Rachel is really bummed about this and is very, very jealous of Leah and what is happening. So she goes to her maidservant, Bilhah, and says, Bilhah, go sleep with Jacob. You can have children for me in my name. So she does. So Bilhah goes and sleeps with Jacob and she winds up having two children with Jacob. Well, then Leah sees this and says, well, I'm getting jealous now. I've stopped having children. I want to have more kids so I can stay ahead and win the game. I'm going to send my maidservant, Zilpah. So she sends Zilpah to sleep with Jacob. Jacob's having a party here, is he not? <laughs> Jacob sleeps with her, and now she has two children. How many are we up to now, right? It's like, okay, we're up to like eight kids. So there are all these kids. You're talking about a mixed family gang, right? All of these kids. So now that we have all these children... One day, Rachel and Leah are together. Rachel wants some mandrakes that Leah's in control of and says, look, I tell you what, if you'll give me the mandrakes, these must be some really good mandrakes. If you'll give me the mandrakes, I'll let you sleep with Jacob tonight. So she did and she slept with Jacob and guess what? She has another kid. Not only does she have one kid, she has two kids. And she also gave birth to a daughter later on named Dinah. We're up to 10 now, 10 sons, just in case you were counting. And finally, God remembers Rachel and Rachel has a child. Rachel is the one that, that, that Jacob loves, is madly in love with. And she finally has a child and his name is Joseph. He was the favored of all the children because he was the, the son of the woman that he loved the most. He was the favorite child. And not only that, but Rachel would also give birth to another son later named Benjamin and died during childbirth in Benjamin when Benjamin uh, came into the world. And you can imagine how Jacob felt about Benjamin because his wife that he loved died giving birth to this boy. So these two kids, he loved the most. But Joseph, he loved the very most because he was the first son to Rachel. Now you can see the importance of Joseph. It's really interesting when you, when you hear about all of this and all of this story and how all of this comes together because there are so many kids and which one of these children is the line going to follow through of Abraham, right? To continue the line of the children of God. I mentioned to you, it would be Judah, not the firstborn to Leah, but to Judah, who was also born to Leah. Not Rachel, to Leah. Why Judah? That's a great question, isn't it? Why would he choose Judah? Well, one of the ways we can think about it is this. Judah is the only one who was born of all these children where praise to God was given for his birth and only praise to God. The first three kids that Leah had with Jacob, she, all three situations, it, it, the scripture tells us that, and she said, now hopefully Jacob will love me like he loves Rachel. That's where he came from. She wanted love like, like Rachel experienced. That's what she was after. 
And finally, after three tries and it wasn't happening, she had Judah, and the scripture says this about what she said. It says this, it's in Genesis, it's actually 29 verse 35, not 30 verse 35. That's a, that's a mistake on my part. Genesis 29 verse 35, this is what she said. This time, I will praise the Lord. Isn't that great? This time, I will praise the Lord. Everybody say that together. This time, I will praise the Lord. I want you to remember what God's purpose is. God's purpose is to lead us to love the God who created us, to love him personally, and to also lead us to trust and rely on him, which leads us to praise the Lord. There is a child who the only thing that was thought about was praising God. And Judah would be that person. Judah would be the person that would continue that line. We see as this goes on, we actually read about uh, Judah and we read about the brothers in the lineage found in Matthew. I, I want to just read it to you really quick. In Matthew, where it goes through all of Abraham all the way to Jesus, this is what it said. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, right? Jacob the father of Judah, right? Y'all learned it. And his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah. And then it continues on. What's so amazing to me about this scripture, what's interesting to me about this scripture is, why did he say Judah and his brothers. Why didn't he just say Judah? I mean, because that was the line. He could have just said Judah, but he said his brothers. And there are some reasons why this might be true. First reason why it might be true is it's through the brothers that God would establish the nation of Israel and its 12 tribes. There were 12 sons and there were 12 tribes of Israel. See, what you need to know is, not only was Jacob called Jacob, but Jacob one night wrestled with God all night, and God renamed him and gave him the name Israel. These were the 12 children of Israel that became the leaders of the 12 tribes. Isn't this awesome? At least you're getting some history lesson about the Bible today, if nothing else. We understand how all of this stuff comes together. Why else would he mention the brothers? Well, this is just me and my sanctified imagination, I think, maybe. But it was also through these 12 brothers that God would provide a Savior for their time to save the people. And that Savior's name was Joseph. Joseph is the one who saved his family. Joseph is the one who allowed the family line to continue on. Because if Joseph hadn't have been there and done what he had done, they would have starved. They would have gone through a famine with no sense of help to get through it. Because one day, God would put Joseph in a leadership position to be able to provide for his family. Years later, he would do it. He provided a savior for them. He was the most unlikely savior of all of them. <laughs> Joseph, y'all get this. Joseph was the one who was most likely to kill his entire family. Do you know why? Because they hated Joseph. He was the favorite one and they sold Joseph into slavery. His brothers sold him into slavery. He went from the most important, the most valuable person in his family to being the lowest of humanity having nothing, being in subjection to people who were over him, and you would think, I'm going to get them back. If there was anyone who was most likely to wipe out the family, it was Joseph. But you see, God was up to something. God had a good plan for his life. And that good plan was to change him from a selfish kid to somebody who had a heart for God who would do whatever God wanted him to do so that people knew God personally and trusted in him. Oh, is that good? That's what he did. And let me just say this about us. That's what he needs to do for us. He needs to change our hearts to get us into a position where we're willing to do what God wants us to do. That it's not about us, it's about God. How can I lead people to know you? How can I lead people to, 
to praise and rely on you. How can I do that? Well, where did the problem all start? I'm going to read some scripture to you. We'll get into the story and see why there was such a big problem. It's found in Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, you remember them? Right? His father's wives, and he brought their father a, a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornament robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to the brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his fathers rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Y'all, this family is messed up. I mean, what is he thinking? Saying this to them. Obviously, he's going to make matters worse in doing this. And what it led to was jealousy and hatred. And jealousy and hatred destroy all relationships. What we need is we need appreciation and we need love. So we got to go a long, long way from getting from jealousy to hatred to appreciation and love. And the only way to do that is to deal with the problem. His problem was our problem. And it's called the problem of pride. Number one on your outline sheet, if you're willing to fill something in on your sheet... We'll talk about that right now. The problem of pride. So what is pride? Let me give you another statement. We're quickly getting in this, right? Let's write a statement that, that really describes it for us. We bring attention to ourselves and not the God who created us and loves us. Remember, God's purpose is to know God personally, to know God loves us, to praise him. But we're not doing that. We're wanting praise ourselves. We want people to praise us and look at us. I mean, through what you say and through what you do, are you wanting people to notice you, or are you wanting people to notice the God who created you? That's a really good question. Because everything pretty much falls into that. Am I doing what I'm doing so that I can get attention? Or do I want to bring attention to the God who created me? I've got to get from wanting attention to wanting to bring attention to God. Today we're having the Swift Bowl. And... Um, Thank you for getting it. The earlier crowd, they're just like, what are you talking about? The Swift Bowl. Um, Taylor Swift, you know, the whole thing. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a great, great day. It's going to be a great day. And I, I, the whole story of her and Travis is really awesome. Is great. I'm not going to tell you who I'm rooting for. I'm not going to do that. But um, it's a big day. and It's a big day of competition. And it's a big day where pride is on the line. I mean, when you think about it, pride's on the line. It's the pride of your team that we won, that we're the best, the pride of our city, the pride of all these things. I get it. And it's okay when we're doing things together. We're doing it for each other. We want to be the very best we can. And, and that's a good thing that we can work together to do that. But many times on the athletic fields, whatever type it might be, it's not about what we can do for the team. It's about my stats and the attention that I get. And you can just hear it in the interviews that people give. I mean, it's all about them, about how great they are, this or this. But then there are other people who are not like that. They'll even, some of them even talk about God. Now, I'm about to mention somebody which may think you that I'm rooting for one team over another, and that's not what I'm about to do. There's some people who are believers, who are Christians on teams, that when they're interviewed, they'll say, you know, I just, I want to praise God because I couldn't do what I 
could do without him giving me the ability to do that. That's a great thing to say. And a lot of people were rolling their eyes. There's Christian people going again. But the truth is, that's really what we should be doing, isn't it? I mean, it's like, I couldn't do this unless God gave me the ability to do this. And that's what they're doing. Brock Purdy, who's the, the, the quarterback for the 49ers, is a very, very strong believer. And y'all, I am sure there've got to be several strong believers on the Chiefs team too. I'm sure there are a lot of other examples I could use besides Brock. I've just heard Brock a lot these last couple of weeks in the interviews talk about God and talk about the team and never talk about himself. And even some of the other, other commentators, when they've been talking about him, they just talk about, because he's, y'all, he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was chosen the last person in the NFL draft. Mr. Irrelevant, and he's the quarterback in the Super Bowl. It's a big, big story, and they're talking about how his head is so on straight and level because he knows what his life is about. Y'all, these are commentators saying this about him. Why? Because he knows he is who he is because of God, and I want to do what I do to bring attention to him. So, sales... Got all these sales. You know, I'm the number one guy. Sold more than everybody else. Look at me. If God didn't give you the ability to do those sales, you wouldn't have made those sales. Right? If God didn't give us the ability to do anything that we do, we couldn't do it. It's all up to him. And we need to be looking to him and giving him honor and glory. How do we know we've fallen into pride? Let me just mention some things. Number two on your outline sheet says this, we bring attention to what we have and not who we belong to. It's about what I have. For Joseph, it was the coat of many colors. And the coat of many colors was a big time problem because he's the only one who had the coat of many colors or the ornamented robe, all right? And the brothers were very jealous of that. They hated him uh, because of that. Uh, and it was obvious that, that Jacob loved Joseph more than everyone else. He pay, played favoritism. Y'all, it'd be like this. It'd be like if I had 12 sons and I bought took my 11 kids to Walmart to get their clothes and took one kid to the Ralph Lauren store. And I'm not talking about the outlet store. I'm talking about the real Ralph Lauren store, okay? I mean, that's what it would be like. It would be that significant of a difference. Now, Joseph, what he could have done is like, Dad, dude, don't do that. If you get me these really nice clothes and everybody else is in Walmart clothes or whatever else it is, and by the way, Walmart has some really good clothes. I'm not down on Walmart clothes. All right, they've got some really great clothes. And Goodwill does in other places as well. But you get where I'm going with this. I'm trying to save face. So anyway, uh, here, here we are. He could have said, God, don't do that because they're going to think that you love me more than you love them. And they're going to feel like they don't have any value. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. It's like, give me the coat. And he wore it all over the place. Here's how I know he wore it. It's because they did sell him into slavery. His brother sold him into slavery because they hated him that much. And you know what he was wearing when they attacked him to go into slavery? His ornamented coat. It was all about him. It's about what we have. You know, a lot of us, we, we're the same way. Uh, it's the haves and the have-nots. I have this. I have this really nice thing. I have this really nice thing. Materialistic possessions, this really nice thing. This really nice car. This is really nice whatever it might be. And then we make it appear like it's all on me that I was able to do this myself and to, to gain this. And we bring attention to what we have. And we believe that it's going to give us value. Y'all, I've said this, and I don't want to re-preach a bunch of sermons that I preached in the back you know, before. Y'all have heard me say this. Have you been around here a long time? Y'all, stuff doesn't love you back, right? It, it just doesn't. And that coat wasn't going to love him back. In fact, that coat got him thrown into a cistern and sold into slavery. No value. Some people find their value in our place, in our position in the family. For him, it was the position in the family. He's the one who would go out and come back and give a bad report. He was given the authority to tell on the other guys. There was a position there that he was in. All the other guys, I'm sure, would love to have been in that position, but they weren't. Your position doesn't love you back. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's, I want the love of somebody else who's not giving me love that I'm looking for. We can put it in maybe a more modern context in this way. I want somebody famous, I don't know, 
Taylor, to know me and like me, because if Taylor knows me and likes me, then I'm going to feel significant. And those people who know Taylor are lording it over them that they know Taylor and you don't. If I could just get Taylor to love me. Well, here, here's the problem with that. What happens when Taylor stops loving you? Then where do you go? You're holding on to something else. You know who we need? A God who loves everyone the same. He loves us all the same. And he longs for us. And we need to look to his power. Final statement on your sheet. It's this. We bring attention to our power, not on God's power. We've got to stop talking about what we can do and who I am. And we've got to start thinking about God and what he can do and what he can do through us. What does God want to do through you? I mean, that, that's the big question today. What is going on? It might be that you're going through some really hard, difficult things right now, and you're just trying to figure out what is God up to. It might be that God is trying to break your calloused, prideful heart to get you to stop thinking about yourself and to start thinking about the one who loves you and created you and to start thinking about the people that he created and loves. So he's doing something like he did in Joseph to break your heart, to break your pride. Listen, for God to use us to save people, we have to go from pride to humility and trust in God. Is that what God's doing in your life? It might be that God's setting something up. Maybe it's not a pride issue. It might be that God's setting something up in your family because your family might be a wreck. All right, like their family, there's jealousy, there's hatred, there's whatever. And maybe God's revealing you today, you know what? I've got to be a different person. I've got to be a person who really cares about them and has no pride whatsoever and to help them understand there's a God who cares about them and I need to show love to them. Maybe God is doing some things in your life right now to help you see the need of the people that you love. Let, let me, you know, this is so huge to me. God changed Joseph's heart so he could reach the people that he hated the most. The people who sold him into slavery. Yet he changed his heart so that he was willing to do what he had to to save them because of his love. And maybe that's what God's doing in your heart right now. You've been bitter and holding grudges and feeling certain ways about people in your family. And God's helping you to see through what's going on around you to wake you up to help you see what they need. What is it that you need? All of us need a relationship with God. Let me get back to Jesus. There's some of you in this room today who you're, you're not a Christian, that you've never given your life to God. Um, you haven't trusted him. You're living for yourself or for something else. And I mean, when you look at your life, you don't feel like you're doing too terrible of a thing, but you're still not doing the right things. I'll give you an example of that even with the story here. And this will be the last little thing. Actually, didn't even share this in the early service. You know what happened with the 12 brothers? They sold their brother into slavery. They were going to kill him. But Judah, the one that the lineage would go through, Judah's the one who talked them into selling him into slavery. They go back and they tell their dad that Joseph's been killed by someone wild animal because they put blood on his ornamented coat. And for some crazy reason, they just felt like it would all be okay. At least we didn't kill him. Right? I mean, that might be you today. It's like, well, I understand that, but at least I haven't murdered anybody. Or at least I haven't done this or I haven't done that. But you've done something that's harmful to other people because you lied. Or you said something about someone. You took something from someone. You did something. It's all a sign of our own pride. Jesus came to forgive you of all of that mess so that you could live for the right thing. And we want to encourage you today, if you don't have a relationship with him, to accept what Jesus did personally into your heart. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that a little bit later. We're almost done. 
Um, we're going to do the invitation a little bit different today. God has a plan for your life. It might be salvation today. It might be dealing with your pride. It might be making a difference in your family or with someone else. I don't know what it is, but God has a plan for your life. So what we're going to do, typically what we do is we do a song. We have our counselors down here. You can come, pray, whatever. We're not going to do that today. I don't want to ask you to come and pray. I want you to sing. I want you to listen to this song. And as you pick it up, sing this song if you would like to. It's the song called Good Plans that I heard the first Sunday at First Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale that rocked my world. I don't know if it's going to rock your world today or not, but it rocked my world again in the first service, so I'm expecting it to happen again. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now, and I want you to focus on the words, sing these words, and to know them as a promise from God that God has good plans for you.
is that not awesome or what? Wow, what a great, great way for us to think about God. God has a good plan for your life. If it is salvation, our counselors are going to be down here after. That. I'm going to pray in just a second, and then we'll, the service will be over. But our counselors will be down in front. I'll be down here. If, if you need help coming to know Jesus as your Savior, please come to us and just say, I want to be a Christian. Just tell us that. We'll know exactly what to do to help you become a Christian. It might be that you need some other kind of prayer. Our prayer partners are here for you. Back in the back, got our Journey Begin banners. We have a counselor back there as well. We want to help you in any way we can to encourage you today. Father, thank you for what you've taught us. Be with us as we go. Help us to know you're not done with us. You're up to something, and it's up to something good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. See you next week.